Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mekaitis. Greetings, and thanks for joining us here for episode 427 with Tamara Lur. We are talking about this work-life balance thing versus this work-life blending thing. Tamara has got a world of perspective and a whole lot of busy schedule, so she speaks from experience when she reveals, one, three steps for getting to the root of guilt, two, why you should go on an acquaintance diet, and three, how to optimally divide your time amongst competing priorities. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, it's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F427. While at awesomeatyourjob.com, I hope you'll check out some cool stuff like every episode tagged by the topic and the competency that we've covered, which is in the drop-down menu of the podcast section and the navigation there at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now here's Tamara's story. Tamara Lur is an Australian native, wife, and mother of two who started her first business at the age of 19 after graduating college with a Bachelor of Visual Arts. Her sweat equity model led her to winning a range of global awards. Lur has become globally known as a leading wellness entrepreneur, growing her first business from under $1 million in annual turnover, or revenue if you will, to over $10 million in less than two years with no capital investment. She's proud to use her platform to share how people can have blended lives without compromises. Big thanks to Tamara for sharing her wisdom with us and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, and small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Here is Tamara. Tamara, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to dig into your wisdom. And so you've packaged it up a lot of it in your book called Balance is BS, but you were mentioning that uh, you are primarily not an author. Where are you coming from when you approach this topic of balance? Look, it's uh, been 20 years in the making. Uh, I've been a serial entrepreneur for 20 years and working uh, globally and growing brands across the world. And I have a tribe of around 20,000 entrepreneurs through Young Presidents Organization and just all of us trying to figure this out, like how do we have the best of both worlds, you know, home, family and self. And uh, it's really bringing collectively my experience and their experiences together to, to provide a solution to this big problem, which is balance. And so in your book, you it's titled Balance is BS. What do you mean by that? Well, I think we need to abolish the word balance. We all know that that doesn't work, right? The old uh, balancing scales means that if you want to give more to your family, you've got to take something from the other side and then put it over. So you're constantly having to take from one side to the other. This concept and, and something that I've been practicing for over 10 years is about blending everything together, 
unapologetically. So not having to choose between them and balance them up, but actually bringing them all together. And it's a really simple way of doing things, an ethical way of doing things, where you don't have to compromise and you don't have to choose. Okay. Well, so can you give us some examples of what does blending look like in practice? Yes, certainly. So uh, for instance, um, whenever you're feeling torn, so for me, it might be that I want to watch my daughter's concert at school, but at the same time, I've also got an agenda and a meeting and a deadline at work. So how do I blend the two? Because I've promised someone that I will give them my time. So it might be that I go to that rehearsal and I say to them, look, I'm at my daughter's rehearsal. It doesn't start for another half an hour. Uh, You have my attention in that time and Uh, There will be some background noise. Ask for permission and say, is it okay if um, I do it from here because I don't want to miss this concert? And when it starts, I will be jumping off the call. So asking for permission, not pretending that you're in the corner of the office when you're really hiding in the, the corner of the school hall, but owning it, saying, you know, I don't want to miss this, and and then giving other people permission to do the same. So that's an example of many ways that I just uh, stand up and say, this is important to me, but so is your time. Would you like to reschedule or can we do it now, but can we work around this commitment that I would like to do as well? So, you know, wherever you feel torn, you have to think about how can we bring these two together? And I feel that my expertise and my 10,000 hours and, uh, you know, how long I've been in business grants me the right to have that flexibility and to offer it to other people so we all don't feel guilty and trying to balance between the two when it doesn't work. Well, I like that specific example. Could you share a few more key ways that that you see blending working out well? Yes, certainly. I'm not a huge fan of doing the nine to five in the office. I uh, don't make any of my team do that. And instead, we have flexible hours so that we can do the school run. So another example is there is no morning meetings. There is no breakfast meetings before 9.30. So everyone, both both parents can uh, drop off uh, the kids to school. And if for those who don't have children, they might be interested in going to the gym or uh, pursuing some other hobbies in the morning. So we make sure we give each other the flexibility. And I don't tend to like to be in the office all the time. So I love the water. I live on the beach. So quite often my management team will actually drive up, stay overnight with their families on a Friday night and we will walk along the beach while the, the kids are doing something crazy or if they don't have kids, they'll bring their dog. And we'll do a lovely two-hour beach walk and we'll talk about the crucial things that we're trying to achieve, what, you know, what things they're struggling with, what things they, they need assistance with, and obviously revisiting our goals and our BHAGs. But we do it all on the beach while there's a bit of chaos going on and over a glass of wine at night. So really the conversation that we're having isn't between nine to five We'll be talking about, obviously, feeding the kids at night at, uh, on a Friday night, but at the same time, blending in and out of conversations between work and between family. And I'm absolutely okay with that. You open your home. This whole myth of keeping business and personal separate, I think, uh, needs to be abolished. And we bring the things together that we love, which makes for an enjoyable life rather than um, working all the time. <laughs> Yes, understood. Well, well, so I'd also love to get your take. If you do experience some of this guilt, you know, how do we get to the root of that and sort of prevent it and get that in check? I think if you're good at what you do, the first thing is that you need to value yourself and then value your time. So if you give yourself permission to blend, 
then the point is, is that you know your value. So you don't need to feel guilty and apologize. And I think the number one issue, especially as a female, is the voices in my head saying, you know, I want to be wife of the year. I want to be mother of the year. I want to be boss of the year. And I want to achieve all these things. I mean, that's just a recipe to burn out as far as I'm concerned. Because we all know if you try and do everything 150%, you'll land at mediocre and you'll end up quite upset, especially me being perfectionist. You get quite upset at yourself for not uh, giving it your all. So the first step is to say, look, my time is valuable and making sure that that isn't in hours. So me being in the office from seven in the morning till seven at night is not valuing my time. I know that four hours of my time is very valuable. So if that's what I choose to work that day, that's up to me. And I know I'm still adding value. The second thing is I don't listen to the voices in my head. I make sure that when I am feeling guilty about something, I I reinstate to myself, no, you are an expert. Uh, They come to you for this reason. Your time is valuable, so what you're giving is is more than enough. So stamping out those things in your head that come up and play. And the third thing is, you know what, saying no to things, not feeling obligated. I do not have acquaintances in my life. I actually regularly go on an acquaintance diet. I unapologetically don't volunteer at the school tuck shop because that's not best use of my time, but I will help in other ways that excite me. So the things that you say yes to and the things that you say no to, more importantly, what you say no to is really important. And having that discipline and protecting your time and valuing your time so that you can give that to things like uh, your family, your children, your partner is really great. And when I drop off the kids to school, the other women will say to me, oh, you poor thing. You've been in the States because uh, I sell most of my products in the States and I live in, a, in Australia. They go, wow, you've been away for you know nearly two weeks. And I explain to them, well, actually, I think I probably get more quality time with uh, my family than perhaps you would think. And that's because it's concentrated and I don't do things like cleaning and uh, acquaintances and all those things. So whilst I might be away for two weeks, it's concentrated time where I'm focusing on the business and I'm having a great time (laughs) because I love coming to America and I love playing business there. And then when I come back, I'll have a week off and just spend that with the children and really be a mum for a week. So for me, not doing television during the week, not cooking and cleaning, doing all those things and choosing to give those up in this busy time of my life so that I don't look back and go, oh, I miss my kids growing up. I don't ever want to have that future guilt or remorse. I am very happy to sell an asset that we've accumulated in our 20s and 30s, sell something or demand more from from work at that time of my life because this is really important to me and having time with my family is important, but I not at the compromise of growing my business globally as well. So I want both those things. So it's really about redesigning your life. So what we look at is the pie that is your life. And that's one of the exercises in the book. And we say, okay, how much chunks of time do we want to dedicate to the things that we don't like? And let's make it as small as possible. And let's really look at the rest of the pie and when we feel most content And for me, 45% of my time or over half my time is spent at work. And I unapologetically say that half my pie is work because I love it. A big chunk is my family. And I have a tiny little chunk for things like reports and stuff that I have to do at work, you know, the death by meeting 
I really only put a small amount of time. And what you'll find is if you work on your pie of what makes you most content and most happy in life and you're really honest about it, then whenever you're feeling torn or burnt out or unhappy, something will be off with that pie. So when I was at work and my business got really huge and I had over 70 staff and there was lots of reporting and compliance, I'm a creative by trade, when I went back to my pie and I went, okay, I am spending more than half my time on work, but it's not on the things that I enjoy. No, and it's eating into my family time. No wonder I'm not feeling driven. No wonder I'm not feeling motivated. So going back to that base pie and going, okay, I'm out out of kilter communicating that with the people around me and saying, look, guys, this is my pie. I need to get back to this if you want the best from me. Then everybody else, you've communicated it with them that you're going to start working towards getting back to your content when you're content. And I think being self-aware, understanding the percentages of what make you happy and doing a regular check-in to see where you're off kilter and bringing yourself back in, not all at once, but, you know, chipping away at getting back to your content pie That's really important for you as well as everybody around you because you're not a great leader and a great mother if you're out of kilter. Well, so I'm intrigued by a few things here. So so first, tell me, you say you don't have acquaintances in your life. What specifically do you mean by that? Quality over quantity is probably what I'm saying here. So I don't say yes to every person who wants to do coffee with me or people that aren't really the top five qualifier of who I like to be around, which is people that I really enjoy their conversation, we feed off each other and they have a really close, important part in my life. So you'll find that a lot of people are doing things outside of their hours that really they could give up if they wanted to. So for instance, I will not take meetings with suppliers and things outside of hours. I keep my meetings to a minimum and I I certainly don't catch up with people who want to be friends with me that I don't necessarily feel a connection with. And I know that might sound ruthless, but I feel that the quality of the people around me is really important and I give them my undivided attention, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to say yes to every movie date with the girlfriends and all that sort of stuff. I would prefer one-on-one time and um, rather than all these events that everyone seems to make all the time. I rarely make it to people's birthday parties and instead I'll take them to lunch one-on-one and have a birthday Uh, celebration between the two of us because that'll be more quality for me and that's just because that's not my style and being in a room with uh, 50 other people and doing idle chit chat you know yourself you know when you feel like god i'm just making conversation for the sake of conversation that is an acquaintance situation what is the point you made about the top five there so there's this this saying in business that we use a lot the net value of 95 percent of the people you spend the five people you spend the most time with and I don't mean net value as in money-wise, I mean as in value and all that sort of stuff. So it's interesting to have a look around and see sometimes who might have you know, snuck into your life involuntarily and mm-hmm. then decide uh, to go on an acquaintance diet if it's something that doesn't serve you as far as uh, you know, making you a better person, making you a better business person, a better mother, all those sorts of things. And a true friend will call you out when you're going off track, if you're being a pain in the ass, all those things. So they're the sorts of people I want around me, not the ones that are just going to laugh at my jokes and just nod and and agree with everything I say, even if um, all those who have an opinion 
who don't have a track record. So critics without credentials, as they call them. Okay, understood there. And so when you talk about your pie, how many segments do you have in it? Or how do you go about constructing it? I guess I imagine you could do a pie in terms of two things. Hey, there's work and then there's family or fun. Well, hopefully work is fun. Or you could have like 50 segments, you know? So so how do you think about sort of how many chunks you put in your pie and, and formulating it well? So what's really cool about the book is each section works you through some exercises to help you define what your pie is. And then the first exercise is actually defining your values. And that's part of that acquaintance diet as well, because if your values are respected and aligned to other people, that's how you might want to choose who who you spend most of your time with. So the values exercises first. The second is talking about your pie. And when we talk about your pie, uh, 50 might be a little bit too much. I think that might be a to-do list or a task list or an obligations list. Um, That sounds exhausting. But what we look at is family, business, work, and self. So those are the three things. And then, of course, we're grown adults. We have obligations as far as, you know, things that we have to do like tax and, and, and stuff that just needs to be done. So the, the stuff that we don't like to do, but we want to keep to a minimum. And I only allocate 5% of my pie to that stuff. And the rest of it is divided up between those three areas. And you give as much weight to it as you would like. And there's no judgment around that. It's what makes you happy and makes you content and fulfilled. So those three chunks and then inside those chunks, you look at what makes me happy when I'm at work. What tasks am I doing? What activities am I doing when I am really buzzed and motivated and excited and almost a little nervous too? Like we really want to make sure we're constantly challenging ourselves. So what is those things and how does it look? So for me in the work pie, I'm a creative by trade. So about 80 to 70% of my work section needs to be on creative. I need to be doing that. The other stuff is around mentorship and leadership. I love to spend time mentoring um, other people and really bringing up the next generation of entrepreneurs. So that's all in the my work section. In my family section, for me, it's really not only just with both kids and, and my husband, but it's also one-on-one time with the children. So we have separate holidays with the kids, for instance, and I travel a lot and every third trip my husband comes with me because we love that 13 hours on the plane where we finally get to finish a sentence without being interrupted and really catch up with one another. So my family pie is very specific on how I like to spend my time. And then self is so vital. What are we doing to serve ourselves? And for me, going to the gym is a chore. It's an exercise. I would actually put that into that 5% that I loathe. So for me, myself, it's all about clean air and walking in the national park and being near water, yoga, massages, things like that really. And obviously having, being around my tribe, uh, the people that I love to be around who challenge me, who inspire me. I love their conversation. I can't get enough of it. So that's my self time. So then I design my life around that. Well, so I'd love to get your take on if we're dealing with a professional who maybe has a little bit less leeway in terms of there's some constraints and, and boundaries and expectations uh, from from third parties, as well as maybe some financial constraints in terms of, of not as much uh, ability to to do as much outsourcing of the of the cooking or cleaning or or massage receiving. What do you recommend for folks to to just try to get the ball moving in some good directions when they are feeling the pinch of those constraints? Look, it's not all about money. I mean, walking on the beach doesn't cost that much other than perhaps the petrol to get there. So 
it's really important that they're not things that cost a lot of money. And we will work you through those exercises in the book around what are these things that I enjoy. But the most important thing is to share it. So what I find is a really good exercise is to do your values exercise and really establish what are your core values because people tend to think that this is what I want out of life, but then they get there and they go, actually, you know, it's not about the car and the house. It's about the journey and it doesn't align to my values. So for instance, mine is freedom. One of my values is impact, which is why we're having this conversation. So though sharing your values with other people. So when you do that and give them permission to do the same with you, it's really great because that becomes a basis of your conversation. So when someone says to you, okay, I need you to work nine till six in the office every day, Monday to Friday, if someone said that to me, rather than me going, you know, having a tantrum and saying, I don't want to do it because it doesn't serve me, I'll say to them, actually, one of my values is freedom. And part of that is flexibility. And that doesn't serve me. And another one of my values is creativity and being the nine to five in an office with, you know, limited windows doesn't serve my creative drive. So those two things obviously get you massive impacts in and results from me. So how can we work it though so that I'm fulfilled on my values so that I can get the maximum inputs and, and give you the maximum return and uh, results? So it's really important that they understand who you are. And then when you get some things that are being basically slimed on you that you don't want to say yes to, but you may be obligated to because it's your boss or the like, then it's important for, for you to communicate that with them. And I think, again, getting back to your value, knowing how much you are valued at and your worth is really important to be able to step up and have those conversations. And I'm assuming that your listeners are sophisticated and they've done their 10,000 hours. And this is really about, okay, how do I get off this rat race and, and this, this inevitable we're leading towards a burnout? How do we reshift and refocus um, so that everybody wins? So it's important you make it a win-win and you share what your values are with them so that they understand. And then the other thing that we do in my family, including my kids who are only seven and nine, they have things like their bucket list and they have the things that they love. And it's important to share that with each other and they have to be things that don't cost money. And what's great about that is when I tell my kids, you know how much mummy hates cleaning and perhaps the cleaner, we've got somebody coming over and the cleaner's not coming. I'll say, look, the house needs a clean and it looks like a bomb's hit it. And you know that mummy doesn't like cleaning. Why don't we all get together and help each other and support each other to get it done really quickly? And then in return, I know what's on their list, which one of them is going to the national park. Uh, they love going for walks in the national park and spotting animals. Then I'll go, and then that means we can go for a really nice walk in the park and have a look and see if we can find another, another snake or another lizard or another koala. So if you all know each other, what serves you and what makes you happy. It's about coming together, sharing those things, and then helping each other get to the closest version of their pie together. And really, if you love someone at home and if you're valued at work, people will find a way to accommodate you, but you need to be able to reciprocate. And I really liked that sentence you had there, and I want to hear it again. You said something like, in having the conversation with a manager, these things enable me to to give you the best or deliver the most result. How did it go? You framed it nicely in terms of, if I get this stuff, then you're going to be better off. It was kind of the implication. I loved it. It's a win-win. Yeah. Yeah, it's a win-win. So, you know, this is what serves me and gives you the best of me. So to maximize that and get you the best return. 
and to get mm-hmm. give you the best results. This is how I work best. I like that. So that's really important. So make sure that you're very clear in yourself, even if you have to go and take five minutes, remind yourself of your worth, remind yourself of the great things. And if you have to keep a diary and write that down, I have my values everywhere I go, my one pager of Tamara, which has got my pie and my four values. And if I'm feeling torn or confronted, I look at that, I remind myself, this is how I want to live and I cherish it and I, I spend a minute and then I go into those crucial conversations knowing my worth and knowing how to make that a win for them. So make sure they win out of it as well. And then you'll, mm-hmm. you'll get what you want. <laughs> well, can you share with us what are the four values for you? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't want to influence anyone, but mine is creativity, impact, freedom and travel believe it or not. I love, I'm addicted to being on planes. So those are my key four and everyone's is different. And that's, what's really cool about the book is we take you through those exercises. So I've had a transformational coach. I think everyone always asks me, what's your success, you know, secret to success. It's just definitely not the years at uni and uh, all that sort of stuff. For me, the, the three key things is having a transformational coach and they're like a life coach, which is NLP trained. So they're very much about you know, yourself and what makes you tick, not just about work. So I have a transformational coach. I have a mentor in business because I find that I learn a lot more from somebody who has been there and done that before. And the third thing is, is I always surround myself with my tribe, the people that are so much like me and to the point where they're, they're playing such a big game that it's infectious So I love being around my tribe and obviously because I don't then feel like an alien, like-minded people are really important. So those are my three key things, which is I cherish and I spend a lot of time in. So I think it's, it's important for you to go through the exercises of understanding your value. And so my transformational coach has come on board with when I wrote the book and I've asked her to take the exercises that she's done with me and put them down into really simple one and two page exercises for you to be able to establish what your values are as well. So that we use that as the compass for making decisions, not from the influences from around us and what everybody else wants. And it's a bit like a spring clean in your life. If you've lived your whole life and raised a couple of kids in a house for 20 years, my goodness, if you want to move house, it's it's a big effort. It's probably about 20 skips full. <laughs> so how do we declutter? How do we get back to what makes us happy? Define our values, define our slice of our pie, and then start making decisions again and decluttering our life and getting back to that core. Because you being happy, you being served is crucial before you can possibly make an impact at work or at home. Well, now, could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? I think one of my favorites, which is from Warren Rustang, one of my lecturers at MIT, he said at the front of the room, you are not a success in business if you fail at home. And that's about sacrificing your family in order to do well at work. So I I love that quote. I think that one's one of my favorites at the moment. There are so many good ones, right? (laughs) Well, yes, thank you. And how about a favorite? Fail quickly is another good one if you're an entrepreneur. And how about a favorite study or experiment or a bit of research? I think for me at the moment is the birthing of giants. I'm lucky enough to be studying at MIT part-time at the Entrepreneur's Master's Program, and that um, has been really life-changing. So that's through Entrepreneur's Organization. And how about a favorite tool so that it helps you be awesome at your job? Uh, Definitely a transformational coach, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then giving my management team permission to have a coach as well so that they can work through the things that they're 
they're needing to work through. So for me, everything that's in the book are, are my tools, my go-to tools in life that I also pass on to anyone who works for me so that they can speak the same language and I understand what drives them, I understand their values, and I also know their bucket list so we can all help each other tick off at least three things on our bucket list because it's about the journey. And how about a favorite habit? Favorite habit. This is going to sound a bit weird, but being a little fish, I am a big believer in not being the smartest person in the room. As soon as I grow into a space, I pull myself out of it and I go join some other space where I'm totally the little fish. So I love that. I absorb. I'm a quick learner. I learn from everyone around me. I'm highly intimidated. (laughs) But I love that because it makes me grow even quicker and faster and I know I have their support. So for me, I'm just constantly being a little fish. And I think the second one is do the opposite. So when everybody else is doing something in business, I sit down, write down what everybody else is doing, and then I go about doing the complete opposite. And that's, you know, a version of disruption and innovation for me. Is there a particular nugget from the book or that you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks and they they quote it back to you often? I think the main one that I get is thank you for giving me permission to blend because I don't want to burn out. This thank you. I want to drop the word balance because for so long, everyone keeps saying balance and I cringe because I can't figure it out. Thank you for giving me permission to get rid of that word and set a new paradigm, which would be fantastic if we can all blend. My husband's a stay-at-home daddy. And he has so many men in the playground who say to him, oh, my God, I would have loved that opportunity. So guess what? Women are great at business. We're great at running businesses. We're great at growing businesses. We're great leaders. So let's have that conversation. Like I'm just giving permission to everybody to have some conversations together and giving them the tools to be able to do it so that it's not an argument. It's not a your work is more important than my work. It's, it's not about that. It's about how do we come together and redesign our life? And that's something that everybody says, thank you, I'm working on redesigning my life and they're excited about it. And I think the important thing though is we have to support each other. So haven't just wrote a book and said, right, set, forget. You know, you guys, you're on your own now that you've got the tools. My amazing coach, Emily, who wrote the exercises, has come on voluntarily to support the community afterwards so that we can all come together and share what's working, what's not. The bits of the exercises we're unsure of that we're stuck on and help each other so that we can go from trying to balance, which isn't working, to a blended life and supporting each other in that. And that's really exciting. Let's bring this community together. Let's have this conversation. Let's support one another so that we can all redesign our lives and have the the life that we deserve. And when you're at your best, that's when you make the best impression and the best impact on the people around you, including your, your children. So that to me is really important. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Head to any of our social. So it's Lerblend, L-O-E-H-R-B-L-E-N-D, websites, Facebook groups, all that sort of stuff. Reach out and I'd love to meet you and have a conversation. Well, Tamara, thanks so much for taking the time and sharing the wisdom. I wish you all the best with the book and your business and, and your adventures. Thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, your time and I value your time and your listeners. So thank you. I really like Tamara's perspective about that 
pie for how you'd like to be spending your time. And when there are mismatches there, you're feeling it. The stress, the overwhelm, the exhaustion, the not in the groove or flow. So I think it's pretty handy. I, of course, as a strategy consultant, would prefer a bar chart to a pie chart, maybe a Marameco even dare I say it. But the concept holds in terms of thinking about the proportions, how you're allocating things. And is that a little bit out of balance and resulting in you feeling kind of yucky? And in a way, it's not so selfish because everyone gets the best of you when you're operating in roughly the right zones of proportion. So dug it. Thanks to Tamara for that. Hope you enjoyed it as well. The show notes, the transcript, the links to items we referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F427. If you haven't already, I hope you'll push subscribe. You'll hear from our next guest. It's Ellen Rappel Shell, and she has got some cool perspective about work. Her book's called The Job. She talks about how work is under siege and we've got national work disorder and how to cure it. Some good, thoughtful perspective from Ellen. Hope to catch you there. And peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers. Subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.